Hi, I'm Travis Foray, and this is the Returns Management Podcast by Return Logic, the show where we connect e-commerce store owners together through casual discussion and examine current myths and trends to keep you up to date on everything happening in the e-commerce world. Great. So it looks like we got some people watching. So I am super excited to introduce our first Coffee and Commerce. They're just going to be casual discussions with some of the best and the brightest in e-com. We're going to talk about what works, what doesn't work, and what's new for our first episode. I'm very thrilled to have who I also think might actually be the first for TurnLogic customer, but we can get into that later. Dana Donafrey, did I say that right? You did, you nailed it. <laughs> I was practicing it. I was practicing it. I'm the founder and CEO of Ana Ono, which is a lingerie brand that honestly is like nothing I've ever seen before. And you're really doing super great work, Dana. So tell us a little bit about Ana Ono and how it started. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked to be here and enjoy uh, maybe not a cup of coffee, but some extra water because I fueled <laughs> up all the way this morning already. But Ana Ono really was a part of me in a lot of ways. I created Ana Ono, which is Intimates Designed Differently for those that have undergone a breast surgery, often related to a cancer diagnosis. And we think about our bras in a very different way than the traditional world thinks of bras. We like to call it boob inclusive. <laughs> so if you have one boob, two boobs, no boobs or new boobs, we're here to support you. And really what that all came from was my own experience with breast cancer 11 and a half years ago in my mid twenties. And I've been a fashion designer my entire life. I can literally say that because I started designing clothes when I was eight. And I just kind of didn't know really what I was about to embark on. I was 27 years old when I was diagnosed. So I just kind of got put on this patient conveyor belt. And very quickly, I learned that this world, especially for breast cancer patients, was designed around a much, much more mature and older woman. And being 27 years old, it was very jarring to kind of see what was available to me and what the suggestions were and the recommendations and the ways I was supposed to live my life after amputating my breasts from my body. I just really, you know, wanted to apply my talents and skills, which happens to be clothing manufacturing. And I wanted to design a bra differently. So I really deconstructed a bra to reconstruct it. And here we are almost eight years later, after launching Ana Ono, we've shipped bras to patients around the world, to people around the world. And I'm really honored to get to share my talents with the community that I know needs the support. Yeah, support. <laughs> Once you sort of found that there was this need for boob inclusive bras, what was your first step? Like what, I guess what was the point at which you said this can be something that's not just for me? This is such an empowering and impactful question because so much of what I created with Ana Ono, I was by myself. I was getting introduced to a lot of women that were leading a different life than I was. And I really, honestly and truly, the youngest woman I got, di or I got introduced to after my diagnosis was a 50-year-old woman. And at 27, that's that's very light years away from where you are. And I would rely on them for treatment options and insight into what I was about to deal with, but I, I couldn't really rely on their insights for my lifestyle. And that's when I identified sort of this difference of what 
how how and what they were managing their cancer and how and what I wanted to manage my cancer. So when I had difficulty finding a bra after my surgery, I literally thought I was the only one with this problem because I went to Google. Granted, this is 2010, so the internet is not what we're working with today. It was very bare bones. I'm pretty sure Amazon still sold books just to paint the picture. <laughs> We had just migrated off of MySpace to Facebook, so imagine close your eyes and I thought well if there's no bras for somebody like me I must be the only person with this problem because wouldn't have somebody figured this out before me I couldn't believe it was 2010 and I needed to redesign a bra I just thought every bra that was available was already out there so it was sort of this moment that I did think I was alone in this I did think when I was designing bras at my sewing machine and ripping bras apart to put them back together that they were only going to be for me. And it wasn't until I started getting introduced to more and more patients and I started putting myself out there in this concept and idea I had, I realized that every single person I asked, it was like opening up Pandora's box. It was like either some form of life hack, some form of like one product like a sports bra or a camisole or nothing at all, or like I even got I was living in Colorado at the time. I even got reference a smart wool or like a a wool based sports bra from Patagonia for like major ice climbers that they wear during their workouts because implants are so cold like that's like how weird and wild the space was before we introduced Ana Ono and it was those moments of time where i was really putting myself out there and asking the questions is when i realized like this might not be a tiny little niche business on Etsy like this might be a business. And once I started looking at like taking my shop from just my little Etsy store to actually creating an e-commerce platform where people would come to shop, I thought for sure I had a winning scenario because I was going to be the first mastectomy bra sold on the internet. So like I was like how bad can this be? Like everybody's going to Google search everything that I was searching and they're going to find Ana Ono. Like this is going to be incredible. Of course it's not that easy, but that was what propelled me to to kick it all off. Yeah, and I mean 10 years later you have such an inclusive product that even you sent me one and I love it. I may or may not be wearing it right now. <laughs> and that. honestly, is your brand would you say that your brand is the same now as it was then and if not, which I'm guessing not, how did you know it was time to sort of evolve it? I think evolution of your brand comes naturally. and it will come naturally if you listen to your customers like my customers and community is like the lifeblood of our business like they are such a part of what we build and why we build it every single step of the way so when i roll back the hands of time and i launched my business with five designs that were really specifically for patients that had undergone breast reconstructive surgery which means the breasts are rebuilt after they're removed in the mastectomy process. I had this swarm of other community members that were like, "I don't have reconstructed breasts, but I need a better pocketed bra." Or, you know, the I, I lost a, a breast during my reconstruction process, so now I only have one boob and I'm flat on the other side. I don't have a bra that just supports my natural side. And these stories were just flooding in and You know, I I talk so much about like I was able to do what I was able to do so quickly because I was living with the body of who I was serving 
And so innovation, development, that all came through my own story. It came through every challenge I ever faced. But it's part of sharing and listening to your community that tells you that there's more. There's more pain points. There's more discomfort. There's more things that can be done. And listening to those stories throughout the years has evolved Ana Ono really truly into this boob inclusive movement. Because even especially now in the last two or three years, there's a lot of our community that's deciding to live their life beautifully and proudly as flat women. And that means when you've had the mastectomy process, everything's been removed. You just literally have a flat chest. There are no breasts and, and you don't desire to sort of re-mimic those breasts with the breast form or a pocketed bra. You just want to feel beautiful like you are. And we shouldn't shame that. Like we should empower that. We should embrace that. We should celebrate that. So like we even have bras that are designed for women that have no breasts. And sometimes that's like really hard for people to wrap their head around. So like, well, they don't need one. And I'm like, but they doesn't mean that they don't want one. Mm. So if you want to feel beautiful, if you want to feel sexy, if you want to embrace your body and sexy lingerie does that for you, you should have access to it. And I think it's that plain and simple. So where we started, where we are today is embracing not just breast reconstruction, not just mastectomy, but it could be a top surgery for a, a gender confirmation surgery. It could be post nursing mothers that have different size or cups breasts for all of the ladies tuning in. We know our boobs are not perfect. So <laughs> a lot of people face asymmetrical issues and, and they don't want to wear pads or stuff a bra or have a big gap or a bubble in the side that's smaller than the other side. So like our bras fit that exact purpose and that exact, you know, sort of um, chest shape. So it's just, you know, I like I say that they're, they're sisters, not twins. 110%. <laughs> yeah. Like any woman listening, like totally gets that totally giggles, like all of that, because our, our bodies are our bodies. Like they're not meant to be symmetrical, but the way a traditional bra is designed is that it has two perfectly shaped cups that typically have an underwire that support, help to support a natural breast tissue. And we don't need any of that. We don't need it, but the bra industry has told us that we do. So there's a mind shift and a societal shift that's happening that is embracing Ana Ono's and, and, and like our designs, like in different ways that we've, I never even actually dreamed was going to be an opportunity. So pandemic has sort of allowed to that gain of traction with the community as a whole, because I think we're all sitting here at home, we're sitting on Zoom, we still think it's appropriate to wear a bra to a work meeting, but you don't want to wear your uncomfortable one. So we're, we're here to save the day. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be getting like poked in the armpit every time you move. 100%. You don't want to be doing this on Zoom all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that kind of using the pandemic as a segue, um, bras are one of those things that I, I think people, it the pandemic sort of, I guess, accelerated the lowering the barrier of entry to people buying them online because it was definitely one of those things that even people who would buy their clothes online would be like, oh, well, something like that I have to be fitted for. So mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about your tech stack, your website and how you use, you know, the customer journey and tech along the way to, you know, once again, support your customers who are definitely coming from a lot of different walks of life, whether they're, you know, digital natives or people who are just using a computer for the first time? I mean, in some ways, I feel like we had a leg up 
because I did launch Ana Ono on the internet in 2013. There were very few direct-to-consumer brands in the landscape in 2013. A lot of people were still going into stores, still using brick and mortar. So like, I, I was probably one of the first stores on Shopify. I mean, I get my statistics all the time about how I'm like one of the surviving stores from one of the longest, longest tractions from all of their data points. You know, you have to figure out a lot. You've got to figure out how are you going to man your shop? How are you going to service your orders? How are you going to get your orders returned? What kind of data and insights do you need to run your business more efficiently? Because running your business on these four lines of the screen is very different than running your business in real life. Mm -hmm. um, and you're absolutely right. Like lingerie and shoes were like the lowest indexing performers on e-commerce as a whole, because one, it's something that people want to try on. And two, it, it typically has a very, very high return rate because the fit isn't always right because that's why you like to go into the store to try it on. And so these are challenges that sort of unearthed as the, the business evolved over time. And, you know, there are apps that we couldn't live without. I mean, I think Shopify is just such a consumer friendly e-commerce website. Um, whenever I talk to a starting e-commerce business, I'm like, you have to start there. Uh, you know, when it starts coming to like a, a indexing of volume, you can't hit process, ship, process, ship, process, ship on every single order. I mean, I remember the days when I was manually processing orders on Shopify um, to plugins like ShipStation. And then when it does come to your returns, I mean, returns for e-commerce stores is so complicated. I don't even think that most, if you're not in retail or you're not in wholesale and, and you haven't had an e-commerce store, the returns process is probably one of the biggest pain points that any of us deal with. And Ian, you said it right. I, I might be, I, all I know is, is I was in Return Logic's beta because I met the crew at a pitch event and I, they just were incredible. And literally they came off the stage and I pulled them aside and I was like, I need your app. <laughs> I need your app so bad. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of that is manpower. You know, you might be running a digital business, but people have to run the applications in the backside. Yeah. And I had a very interesting conversation with you, I guess, shifting into like return specific about how you use our returns solution in a very sort of unique way. I really like that you kind of use it as an extension of customer service instead of, you know, just being, you know, reactive to people wanting to make returns. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, for return logic, it's, it's a part of our consumer journey in a lot of ways. I mean, we have a very sensitive audience. We have an audience that is confused they have been disappointed time after time after time because nothing in the traditional market fits them. They've undergone a massive amounts of traumatic surgeries. They could be in treatment. They could be planning for an upcoming surgery. And part of what we have to leverage as a brand and as a business is that we've got you and we're going to make this as simple and as easy as it possibly can because we understand that life is very, very complicated. They're not just coming and buying another pair of jeans to sit on the shelf in their closet. This is a part of their survivorship story, a part of their surgical recovery. It means a lot to our customers. And, and that's why Return Logic, like 
for us, there's so many A points that we can embed our brand throughout the process. So it doesn't feel like an uh, like a different platform or like a different thing that they're going through. It's so, so easy. Our customers and consumers are not typically used to shopping for their bras online. And we have to sell the ease of this process because it helps build the trust and it helps ensure them that if something is wrong or something doesn't go right, they have a very tangible, tactical way to fix the problem with or without our customer service agent stepping in. And for us, that's, you know, that's a huge impact of part of what we sell to our customers, but also part of our due diligence as a brand and as a business to service them. Okay, cool. And kind of going off of that too, we talked earlier about segmentation and you've sort of used that to really personalize, you know, that customer journey even more so knowing that you have such a diverse group. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So something I'm incredibly proud about is the fact that our website uh, shopping experience is different than anybody else's, at least that I've been able to find. But something that's so important to the DNA of who we are is our feature of shopping by your body type. And similarly to what you might present or think about from like a petite customer to a plus size customer, even though it might be the same pair of pants, they're done with different fits. Well, in our world, especially in the mastectomy side of of business and, and the bra business in general, is that a lot of people say they have bras for breast cancer, they have bras for breast surgeries, but they present those bras on healthy women with healthy breasts with beautiful cleavage. And we know that that's not who we are serving. So it's so important for us that if we're going to be boob inclusive, that we include all body types and how our products fit on each of those body types. So if you have just one breast, you can shop our entire collections by models that literally have one breast and have gone through exactly what you're going through. Same thing if you're flat, same thing if you've had a flap reconstruction or an implant reconstruction, if you've had a lumpectomy or a mastectomy, if you use breast forms, if you don't use breast forms, if you've had a reduction, a lift, an augmentation. So all of these things are different outcomes of different chests and different chest shapes. And we really, you know, I I love that you can identify and associate to somebody else that's on the screen and say, I don't have one breast, but that person looks beautiful with just one breast and I can feel beautiful too. And that's a huge part of our shopping experience and support to the community. That's one thing I do really love about your website is just, it's, it's people, it's, you're featuring the people who are going to you know, buy the product. So for them to see themselves is probably, it's not just a good like marketing tactic, but it's just a good little, everyone needs that little boost. So having your experience with like such a diverse customer base, do you have any advice for merchants in this like new COVID time who are maybe trying to get into a similar space or looking to even in general, just create a more bespoke experience for their customers. Cause that's what I get when I go to your website. It's almost like you walk into the store and someone's like, can I help you? And it's really difficult to replicate that experience on a website and you, you do it really well. Well, I, I really appreciate that. And it like just gave me chills. It almost makes me want to cry. I'm like so proud. It takes a lot of work. I, I, I just encourage anybody that's looking at building a digital business. It takes a lot of work. It's very demanding. And the target in front of you is always changing. 
I think that that was something I never would have predicted or expected when I started my business in 2013 on the internet. It seemed like I had like dodged a bullet by like not making a retail store or not having like my own brick and mortar because I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I can find my customers. I can reach them. I can market to them. I can let them know I exist and they just come and they shop. What has happened, not post pandemic, but however we want to phrase what we're living in today is that this is no longer a novel concept. This is no longer you choose to either open a store on the ground or you choose to open one in, in the digital environment. You have to have the digital environment. And the world is complicated and complex and it continues to just add in complexities from the base to the top. So we're running, I, I have two employees that literally just run all of our programs and all of our apps. That's taxing on a, on a company because like nobody does all things. If I, if I ever get the opportunity to relinquish Ana Ono and I can break that code, I mean, you know, I'll probably never have coffee with you guys again because I'm flying in another universe. But, you know, there is all of these layers. And so you have to be somewhat prepared for it. So like, I'm not saying that you have to be tech savvy, but you need to be digitally inclined in order to be able to run all of these platforms because it has become a very complicated, complex world um, compared to where I started nearly eight years ago to where we are today. Very cool. And then I guess just any more like general advice before we before we close out. And then of course, like where where can people find you as well? Of course. Yeah. No, I you know, anybody who's thinking about starting a business or is thinking about scaling their business, you know, I just always encourage you to do a little bit of a gut check and say, am I in the right place for the right reason? Because it's hard. Like this is definitely, I mean, I've, I've been through cancer and running my business is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I think that, you know, knowing that you have to have passion and heart to be able to drive that energy forward because it demands everything out of you is just something I ask people to consider all the time because the last thing I want to do is see people fail because they don't realize how much work it's going to take. And there's a lot of great ideas out there, but this is why being an entrepreneur is different because it feels different. It's 100% consumes you and it's your everyday life. But I, I also encourage you to give it a shot because we also only have one life to live. And I know that maybe some more than others. So, you know, if you really are that passionate and you have that drive and you're that excited about doing it, you have to at least try. Even if you fail, you have to try. Um, especially if you're a female or a person of color, because quite frankly, the ethos needs more of us. And if you can get out there and get the opportunity, you've got to go and chomp, chomp at it. So that's my my ending advice. And of course, if you want to engage with Ana Ono, um, please check out our website at www.anaono.com. That's A-N-A-O-N-O. And if you want to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, it's Ana Ono Intimates. If you'd like to follow along with my own personal entrepreneurship story, I'm at D-A-Y-N-A Dono, D-O-N-O at Instagram. And if you have any trouble remembering where does Ana Ono come from, just remember it's my name, which is down here in the corner somewhere because we're not mirrored. Um, Dana Donafrey without the double Ds. Oh my goodness. I am just realizing that now. I love that. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm like, it's probably one of the most clever. I've, I've been in this space for a while and I've seen a lot of interesting names. I feel like that has to be the most clever. 
Well, thank you. <laughs> and it's like just, I don't know how I didn't see that until now. Thank you so much for joining in. This was such a joy and Dana is obviously doing great things. So please go check out on Ono. Like I said, very comfortable bra. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Catch another episode. Learn more at returnlogic.com and find us on YouTube. And I'll see you back here on the Returns Management Podcast.